as I was uh, just meditating on him this morning, I, I want to read Romans chapter 8. This is a familiar passage of Scripture, but verse 31 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he qualifies that statement. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, what? All things. What then, verse 31, shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Uh, it's God who justifies. And if you look in verse 34, it says, Who is he who condemns? The is is put in there by man. And it says, God justifies who condemns. There, and furthermore, is also risen, speaking of Christ. It is Christ who died and is furthermore risen, also risen, who is at, even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? All right, come on. He said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Then it says this, he is at the right hand who also makes intercession for us. So where's God? Where's Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Wow. Wow. I mean, to me, my heart, that just, really, I can, I ha, that's one of those things I have to believe by faith in my heart because I can't wrap my mind around that Jesus who came, who became sin for me, that I could become the righteousness of God, is interceding for me at the right hand of the Father. That he didn't just, see, he didn't just come die so that we could be born again and make it on our own. He said, I've given you the Spirit to live in you, and he'll teach you and bring things to your remembrance. But he said, I'm here in heaven interceding for you. I mean, come on. That's enough to say, amen, let's pray and go home. I mean, it really is. If you came to church and the revelation that you got is that Jesus is praying for me this morning. <laughs> why is that important? Just read the Gospels that why that's important. What happened when Jesus prayed? Dead people came to life. Blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were open. Prostitutes were forgiven. <laughs> I'm saying when Jesus prayed, things happen. And he's interceding for us this morning. So no matter what we face, is it bigger than him? No. He goes on to say this. What, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. Through him who loved us we are more than conquerors. The words more, uh, more than conquerors there, I'm not going to try to pronounce the, the Greek word because I would butcher it. It's hoop or something. And it means this, over and above. 
means over and above. So we didn't just barely become conquerors. We are over and above what the world would see as conquerors. That's pretty awesome. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's amazing love. Not our mistakes, not our failures, not someone else's attack against us. Nothing can separate us from God's love. You know, I've been mulling something over my mind for a few weeks uh, now since uh, Josh's dad in our men's meeting, Josh's dad said something. He talked about those uh, men that ISIS, the last men that they put the video out that they executed, and uh, these Christian men that they beheaded. And I don't focus on all, it's a reality. There's persecution is going on all around the world right now. Not just there, it's going on around the world where people are giving their lives. There's still, China's still closed. They still, when they meet, you know, sometimes we don't meet because it's inconvenient. When they meet, their life's at risk. It's a reality. Not just there, around in Africa where John, where John ministers, there's places that where, where he's been that, that life is at risk for worshiping Jesus as Savior and Lord. But in those, Josh's dad said something. He said, as I watched the video of these men being beheaded, he said, there was such a peace on them. And you go, man, that's really gruesome. But he said there was such a peace. And you know what? That's not a peace that this world can give. That's a peace that he's talking about here in Romans. When we understand how great our God is, what I want us to see is it doesn't end with this life. We get so caught up in life. We get so caught up in what's going on in our lives. We get so caught up in, in the affairs, in the news, and everything that's going on in life. And we forget that our God is outside of time. That our God is outside of time. That he is great. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. He said that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness will cover the people. But he also said that the light of God in us would arise and shine. That it would shine. That's the day that we live in. We can choose, as, as uh, Stephen, when he shared, to look at the dot or the paper. We can choose. I'm just saying, I didn't bring that because it was, I'm focused on the dot. I brought that because what his dad said that was so powerful is he said, when I looked at those men's faces, there was peace. As they were getting ready to die. There wasn't fear or terror. And then the enemy would try his best to bring in fear. And I keep, for, for weeks now, I've been meditating on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He said, this is what God has provided. And how can we have a sound mind in the day that we live in? This isn't my message today, but it's for somebody or somebody's. How can we have a sound mind in the day that we live in, today, in this day? You know, the mind is yours to steward. Your spirit's been born again. Your spirit's been made new. It's as righteous as it'll ever be. It's in, it's in as right a standing with God as it'll ever be. Your spirit is. 
because of what Jesus did. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That word new there in 2 Corinthians means something that's never been before. We are a new creation, but the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, we have the privilege of stewarding. And where we set our mind determines how our body and our spirit follows. And when we choose to set our, thing, our mind, oh, he said here, he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, this is the amplified version. It says this, you will guard and keep him in perfect peace and const, a constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, speaking of to God. He leans on you and hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. <laughs> Shava. He said, you will guard. Who is you, God. God will guard. And that word guard, that means to set garrison around you. God will guard the one that keep, and, and will keep him in perfect, constant peace whose mind, both its inclination, what you're inclined to think about, and its character, the substance of what it is and who you are, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leans on you. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'm sorry. It got a little flat there. <clears throat> he leans on you. Listen to this, Psalms 91, verse 2, amplified version also. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. <laughs> I will say of the Lord, who will? I will. My soul, what David in the psalm said, soul, <laughs> he would speak to himself. It's okay to talk to yourself when yourself gets out of line. Now, I didn't say carry on a conversation with yourself. I said, but it's okay to talk to yourself. As a matter of fact, we need to be talking to ourselves a little more. All right, Wow. He said, you will guard and keep in perfect peace, constant peace, the mind, whose mind, both its inclination and character, is stayed on you. Psalms 91 says, I will say of the Lord. So he's making a declaration. I say of the Lord. He's what? He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. Say that. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. See, if you came in this morning and there were things going on and you, you felt like you were out in the storm, he is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your God. But we have to make a choice to set our gaze on him. And as we make that choice, it's that peace that he talks about, that constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently in him forever. 
For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. <laughs> That's who he is. He's the everlasting rock. He doesn't move. He's not swayed. And as we choose to set our eyes on him, as we choose to realize who he is, we can be steady in an unsteady world. We can be clear in a cloudy world. Because as you look around, there are so many people who are just confused. Sorry, Clint, I couldn't help it. I had to look at you. There's so many people who are just confused with where they are, with what's going on. They're just confused. And he said, as we set our gaze on him, as we set our gaze on him, he brings clarity and understanding. He said that he would give us understanding. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what am I saying? I'm saying Jesus is the answer. He's the answer, but we have the privilege and we have the responsibility <clears throat> to set our eyes on him. Because there are many things in this life, there are many things that we face it could be finances, it could be other things that can bring fear when we choose to set our gaze on them. But he said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I have given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So what do I, as a believer, what do I have? I have power. I have his, uh, <clears throat> I just went blank. Power, I have his love. And I can have a sound mind. If I choose to set it on him. That's when his peace. That passes all understanding. Guards our hearts and our minds. You know I shared this the other week. And I want to. Maybe it was last week. I talked about uh, Joshua. Chapter 1. I want to touch on that just a moment. Joshua chapter 1. you know, as I've met, it's so cool when you continue to meditate on the word. Oh, I didn't open it in the Bible. <laughs> when you continue to meditate on, you know, here's what's so awesome about the word. Stephen spoke when he spoke a few weeks ago. He spoke about the word and the importance of the word, just spending time in the word. And I've been intentional in doing that more than, I, than before. Uh, what I mean is spending more time, not to check off a list but to just spend time, not for an agenda, not to, to get a message, but just to know him. And it's so cool when you do that and you spend time with you'll see things that you've read over and over and over again from a different perspective. Are you with me? You'll see things from different perspectives that you didn't see before. And this one was kind of made me chuckle because I was reading Joshua chapter 1. And um, it says here, after the death of Moses, that wasn't funny. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. And I, what was funny is I'm thinking, if I was Joshua, and I just watched this three million plus people kill Moses. I mean, they didn't kill Moses. Hold on, don't get off on don't stop listening now. But Moses, through, through their rebellion, Moses got mad. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock because he was mad with the people because they were rebellious and they were continuing to gripe and complain what they had done for the 40 years. They were out there 
the 40 years because of their rebellion, because Joshua and Caleb said, no, we're well able to get, they said, no, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So here's Joshua, and he served the Lord. He was ready to go in when they first came out. He didn't get to go in, so for 40 years, he marched and served Moses as his right-hand man. And he listened to the murmuring and complaining. And then the Lord says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you are going to take all these people into the promised land. In my mind, I'm thinking, this is Todd as Joshua. Lord, what I do to you? <laughs> Moses. There wasn't anybody like Moses. And he, he got mad and disobeyed you, and now he's dead. Now you're going to make me take them? Y'all don't think like that, right? I'm just saying in the natural, because we want to super spiritualize everything. We want to read people in the Bible. We want to think that they didn't have a soul to bring in the check. Oh, don't shout me down. <clears throat> but he said, Joshua, you're going to take all these people into the promised land. And I don't, I don't think for a second that Joshua had doubt that it could happen because he saw it 40 years ago. He saw it 40 years ago. He saw the land that the giants had built. And I, I've meditated on that a little, a little as well. I mean, other than the whole bathroom thing, and I don't know exactly what that looked like for them, but giants building stuff is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Everything be bigger. Bigger houses. It'd be three-car garage instead of two-car garage to park the chariot in, right? I'm just kidding. But, I mean, they, they, they were giants in the land that had done all this. And God said, don't look at the giants. Look at the harvest because I've already taken care of the giants. I've given them to you. I've given them to you. Huh, that's awesome. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind somebody bigger than me building my house, except for, like I said, a few things. He said, Joshua, you're going to take them to the land, the children of Israel. Listen, he said, to the land which I am giving to them, the, the children of Israel, every place the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you. I said to Mo, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites and the, the great seed going down toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life Listen to this. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He said, just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. What's important about that? You remember, I think I even referenced this last week. Moses, when, he, uh, when God was telling him, I want you in Exodus, I want you to, to lead my people out. And he said, God, who am I? Hold on, I can tell you. I have it. But Moses said to God, Exodus 3, Genesis, Exodus, <coughs> that's the second book. <coughs> Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God said, I will certainly be with you. <laughs> what are you saying? Here's Joshua. He's been with Moses, right? right his right-hand man for over 40 years. And he knew what it meant for him to say, I'll be with you. 
I'll be with you. Because he had seen God's deliverance time and time again. He saw God feed them with manna from heaven. He saw God bring meat when they were complaining about the manna. He saw, he saw God bring water out of a rock to give water to three million, most scholars say, over three million people and their livestock. Have you ever thought about that? Really, have you ever taken a break right there, put up the parking brake, and thought about God providing for the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? Not just a Bible story, but have you ever thought about this great God who said that I'm in heaven interceding for you? Have you ever thought about that God when he said, he brought the children of Israel and he said, hit the rock and water will come out enough for everybody? Three million people and their livestock. Water, 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 water came out of the rock. The provision of the Lord. And this is the God who told Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Tell me something, people. I don't know what you're facing, but what is bigger than our God? Nothing. He said, with God, all things. When he talked to the... When he, the rich man came to Jesus and he said, sell everything you got and go. And he said, Jesus went on to teach after the guy went away sad. He said, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. And they were like, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, that's one of the contexts where he says all things are possible with God. That's in context when one of the times when Jesus made reference to that, he said, with man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. And I've been told, you know, different scholars have different opinions about that. Some say that there's a sheep, there's a sheep gate or that was called the eye of the needle and that the camel would have to unpack his burden and he could get down on his knees and crawl through. But I talked to other people and they said, that's not true. That Jesus was saying it would be about as easy for a camel to get through the eye of a needle as a rich man depending on himself to get into heaven. Because his wealth and all his resources can't get him there. But with God, all things are possible. Now, I ain't never seen God put a camel through a needle. But with God, all things are possible. See, I want us to understand who this God is, because society, the news, everything that's going on around us is trying its best to get you to forget who God is. And he's warning us, his people. That's why the children of Israel, man, if you study their history, it's amazing. They had memorials everywhere. That's the power of the testimony. That's why we share testimonies here about different things God is doing. You know, <clears throat> we, I've talked about this before. We do the declaration at the end of the service. And in there, we talk about we believe in God for positions and promotions. I know personally, two that I can't talk about right now, but since in the past month and a half have gotten promotions. Three, I know for sure. Well, I know all three of them for sure. But it's not my place to share. But some can't be shared right now because they haven't been made public. But they've gotten the promotion. It's gone through. Everything's there. The money's there. Everything's there. That's coincidental. No, it's not. That's faith. That's believing that I'm not just reading words on a screen. That's believing that I'm not just reading words in a book. <clears throat> that I'm reading the living word of God. That's who he is. That's who he is. And it's who he wants us to know that he is. He said to Joshua, I will be with you. Well, when I saw that, my light bulb went off. Light bulb went off. So I went back to Mark, the passage where uh, I began. I think I referenced this last week. I meant to anyway. Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> Verse 
verse 21. Mark 5, 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, uh, came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter uh, is, lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. Now, this is something. I've read this story over and over and over again. And as a matter of fact, I've really, this really has jumped out at me since last week when I started sharing this. <clears throat> because where I went to, I jumped on down to verse 36, and it says, When he looked at the ruler and said, Do not be afraid, only believe. Y'all remember that? I talked about that. Don't be afraid, only believe. But if you go back up, <clears throat> my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Look at verse 24. So Jesus went with him. Come on. Doesn't that just get you excited? Jesus went with him. Jesus didn't enter into dialogue. There's three accounts of this. There's in Mark, it's in Matthew, and it's in Luke. Not one account says Jesus has Jesus saying anything to the man. Not one account has Jesus audibly respond to this man. But what Jesus did is he went with him. Come on. Jesus went with him. Jairus came because he had heard of this man, Jesus. And though Jesus didn't respond, he started walking with him. Oh, come on. See, there, I know in my life, and I know in your life, there are those times you feel like, man, I haven't heard. Stephen mentioned, I haven't heard a word from the Lord. You know what? He's promised he'll never leave you no, nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, quoting Old Testament scriptures. There are several accounts of that. Psalms has one of them. Isaiah, I think, has one. I can't remember exactly, so don't quote me on that. But he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Once David, talking to his son, Solomon, he said, you do what the Lord's put in your heart because he'll never forsake you. I said, oh, man, that's good. Because Solomon had his heart to build the temple. And he said, you do it because God won't leave you. He'll be with you. So here's Jairus. And I think I shared this last week. If, if, if I did, just humor me. But as I meditated on that, here's Jairus. He's a ruler of the synagogue, Right? So basically, Jairus laid everything on the line for Jesus to come. Because as a ruler of the synagogue, he wasn't supposed to acknowledge that Jesus was the healer, the Messiah, or anything. By doing that was immediate excommunication. When the, when the big dogs from Jerusalem showed up, he was done. Because... They were saying that Jesus is not the Messiah. And for him to come to Jesus and say, I know if you come see her, she'll live. He, he laid everything aside. Everything aside. Think about that. In the right here and the right now. That job, position, acceptance meant nothing to him. In the sight of the healing of his daughter. And so Jesus went with him. I think him as a ruler. Now this is tautology, okay? 
him being the ruler of the synagogue, he knew the stories. He had taught the stories about how great God was. He had taught about who this God was, how he had delivered Israel. You know, there's a show that still comes on now, and I can't remember the name of it. It comes on TVN once or twice a week, and I record it some. But there's a guy who doesn't claim to be a believer, but he just documents, uh, he documents stories of miraculous things that is, that's happened to the children of Israel in present-day times, like since, uh, since Hitler and all of that, things how God's brought delivery, deliverance to his people. One was, it was the, the army, Israeli army, they were found themselves in this minefield, and they were stuck when they realized where they were and said that, uh, I don't, again, I'm going to butcher it a little bit. I think I still have it recorded. Come over to the house, and I'll show you, okay? And, uh, okay. <laughs> but they're there, and they just stop when they realize this, like six or eight guys, and they stop where they are, and all of a sudden, this wind comes in. This strong wind comes, and they just cover their heads because they can't see. It's like a wind, uh, a dust storm. And when the wind blows through, it uncovered all the landmines. And it may have been the seven-day war or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But all the landmines were uncovered. Another one, it was talking about when the, uh, you know, the Israel, Israel, Israel created what they call the Iron Dome that pretty much stops missiles, all the missiles that get fired at them, it stops them. But it was talking about, <clears throat> one of them was talking about when something went wrong, it didn't work. And as the missiles were coming, a strong wind came and blew the missiles out to sea. I'm like, what a coincidence. No, that's the God of Israel. That's the God that's the same. This little bitty place, again, I can't say enough. To go there is just amazing, uh, an amazing privilege. And I'm so thankful that I was able to do that. But to look, they're never more than 50 miles away from an enemy that wants to kill them. And not just kill them, but annihilate them, wipe them. This little bitty nation that every, every nation around the world says they don't have a right to occupy their little piece of land. The only nation that's ever been destroyed or, or dissolved and came back as a nation. I'm just saying. It shows who God is. So Israel was mindful. Jairus, as a leader of the synagogue, was mindful of all the stuff of God that God had done and who God was. Because that's what they would do. They would, they would tell the stories of who God is. They would, when they crossed the Red Sea, you know what they did? They put up uh, rocks on the other side. When they crossed the Jordan River, they put a pile of rocks on the other side. So when they were walking, the kids were playing down by the, 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 uh, the river. They would go, what's that pile of rocks for? Sit down, son. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God did. You know, we need to do the same thing with our kids. We need to tell our kids, not just go pray or not just these cute little prayers. Sit down. Let me show you what God did. Let me tell you what God did in our life. Let me tell you how God came through in our life. That's something we've tried to be faithful to do with our daughter. When she's, I mean, it's been amazing the favor that God's shown on her in, in college. Just amazing. And not one time did we take for granted. Not one time did we say, yeah, that's just because we're blessed of the Lord. Every time we would know that it was supernatural. I mean, from, the, from her... <clears throat> getting accepted as a transfer student, and getting a dorm. Because the lady who's over it told us to our face, she won't be in a dorm because transfer students can't be in the dorm. So she said, I said, okay, well, we got an email. 
Well, I'm sorry. Transfer students can't be in the dorm. So, no, I think the email came later. <clears throat> we got an email with her name and a dorm assignment. So I called the lady who told me when we went to the college, said, she can't. I said, um, so we, we have an email. Did I call or did you call? I think it was me. <laughs> it sounds better if I did it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, so we have an email <clears throat> that has a dorm name and a dorm room assignment, and it says who her dorm mate's going to be. She said, hold on. She came back, and she said, well, she's got a dorm room. Do you want it? I said, yes, we want it. We'll take it. That was just the beginning. I mean, time after time, there's things that the Lord has done that's just supernatural. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I give testimony to who he is because every time I do, it encourages me. When I look and see what God's done in the DR, I am amazed. <clears throat> We're going down. <clears throat> Stephen and I and Joyce are going down in a few weeks. I appreciate you praying for us because we're going down to try to get some things to just be a blessing to, to Raphael. But as I thought about that, <laughs> this is how good the Lord is. I thought about that. I thought, we're going down to him to help him in a church <coughs> that he owns. The, the land is paid for. The building is built and paid for. There's no debt on the building. And we don't have that here. <laughs> See, the Lord is good. He's so good. And I'm not upset about that. I'm excited about that. And I go, Lord, what an honor. What a privilege. We're six years old. And four years of that six years, we've had a church plant in the DR. And now they have a church that's built and it's debt free. I rejoice in that. So what that does for me when there are times that we face things that seem tight here for us financially as the river, I go and say, God, you did that. You, get, you did that. So I have to tell my soul, soul, you look to him. Understand how great our God is. Understand who our source is. Come on. So Jairus, you thought I was lost. <clears throat> Jairus, he knew who God was. And he knew, they had taught about when Messiah come, what it was going to look like. So I believe, Todology, I believe, when he met Jesus and said, if you'll come with me, she'll be well. Jesus didn't say a word, but when Jairus started, he started with him. I think there was such an excitement and anticipation, faith that rose up in the heart of this man. Because Jesus is with him. In the natural. Was it probably discouraging when he got stopped by this woman? And he got stopped. Not only did he get stopped, but they came and they said, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And then Jesus looks at him and says, do not be afraid. Only believe. I think Jesus said, I'm still here. I'm still here. Don't sweat it. So Jairus in himself had to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what they said. I got Jesus. <laughs> you know what's fun? If you do that, if someone tells you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not going to make it, you'll always be like that. You just go. 
I got Jesus. I got Jesus. Better, he's got me. <laughs> he's got me. You know, I can, Joyce just made mention of this so I can say it again. She was just talking to Diana up on the front row. She said, I remember it was last year about this time that we were talking about going to the DR. And Joyce <clears throat> felt like the Lord said, I want you to go this time. And Joyce's response is, no, God, I send people. <laughs> I don't go. I send people. You mix that one up somewhere. I don't go. I send those who do. <clears throat> and the Lord said, no, I want you to go. I want you to go, and I'll go with you. And that's me adding that. She didn't say that. I'll go with you. And this trip will be her third trip in under a year. <laughs> in under a year, third trip in under a year. It'll be about <clears throat> over, almost over a month. It'll be over a month's time that she spent in the DR in a year. Since she said, okay, Lord, if you go with me, I'll go. And she's still going. Huh? She's still going. There were all kind of lies and all kind of fears that kept trying to keep her from going. But she said, nope, he's with me. I can do this. Now, those lies and those fears are on me because I keep thinking, one of these times she's going to go and she's not going to come back. And I, <laughs> I rebuke that. <laughs> she's just going to... She's going to have everything shipped down there and not tell me until she's down there. I say, Todd, I want to tell you something. This is the one. And I'm going to say, Jesus? <laughs> See, he wants us to understand that he's with us. Man, that's such good news that he is with us. Even this morning, Stephanie sent me a text and said, I just think the Lord wants us to know the good news of the gospel that it's good news that people need to hear. There's good news. I want you to know, I don't care what the TV's saying, there's good news. I don't care what anybody in other uh, religions are saying, it's good news. So a few weeks ago, we were sitting at the house, right? Saturday morning, we're eating breakfast, and uh, Brianna and Tyler were in, so we were all sitting there, and they start coming up the sidewalk, and I don't remember who it was. That they said, oh, no, here comes... To it, we didn't know who, if they were Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or whatever. And I said, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. I like it. <laughs> so we went out. So we start talking, right? They start talking, and they're, you know, they're good. One thing is for sure, they're discipled. They are discipled. And that's why the majority of their converts are not unbelievers, the majority of their converts are confused believers who have no idea what they believe. Then they come in, and they know exactly what they believe. And they get the unbelievers, I mean, the, believing, the unbelieving believers confused because that's what they are. They're unbelieving believers. They don't have a clue what they believe. And they get confused, and they go, well, you know what you're talking about. It must be right. I could tell you this is blue all day long, but that doesn't make it blue. I can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Right? So we're talking, they're talking, I'm listening mostly, and then I get to talk. And I talk a lot, <laughs> in case y'all didn't know. So I start talking, <clears throat> and we just start talking about the gospel. And we start talking about Jesus Christ. Because what they want you to do is they want you to either accept them or reject them 
and either accept what they have or debate with them because they're good for the debate. They expect to be rejected. I know because I took one of their little books home. I about got a little boy flogged, I think. We worked together at Honda, and he was, uh, he was, no, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Never mind. But I got his little book and brought it home with me, and his elders didn't like it. But we start talking about the Lord, and we get near the end, and we've been talking, and, and I'm just talking about Jesus. And they believe, you know, it's the church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints, right? Isn't that the Mormon? Okay, I just want to make sure. Jehovah's Witnesses, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Yeah, but see, they have the Bible. They believe in the Bible, but they believe in the Book of Mormon. And I didn't even go there. I just went straight with the Word. And we started talking about the Word, what it meant to be born again, that Jesus, Church of Jesus Christ, Jesus said that you must be born again. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we didn't get off anything. And then we got close to the end, and he said this. <clears throat> we were talking about the Lord. I told him I pastored a church, and... Um, we got right when it came to the point, and he said, if someone told you that you could be a part of the same church that Jesus started some 2,000 years ago, what would you say? I said, I am a part of that church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. I said, I'm a spirit-filled believer that talks in tongues. I said, Paul said, don't forbid anyone to talk in, because they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Don't forbid anyone to talk in tongues. I said, Paul said, I talk in tongues more than you all. I said, Paul also said, there's going to be many that come to you with enticing words and man's wisdom, but I'm going to come to you in power and in demonstration. I said, the church of Jesus Christ that's alive and on the earth today still operates in the same power that Jesus gave when he was here. In Matthew 10, when he said, you've freely been given, so freely give. He said, go lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. You, you do these things because I'm empowering you to do it. I said, that's the church that's alive and on the earth today. I said, I'm a part of it. I said, as a matter of fact, last night, it was Friday night after school, it was after Friday night school of the Spirit. And I said, last night, I said, we were in, in uh, church and I said, we started praying for a person. I said, they were healed. <laughs> he said, thank you so much for your time. We have a new thing. that We do the genealogy. You can find your family tree. Have you ever sought, sought out your family tree? Nope, never thought. Well, you want us to come back and help you with it? I said, nope, I'm good. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure talking to you. He was gone. Why? Because I had a testimony. That Jesus is the same. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I didn't argue theology with them. I just talked about who Jesus is to me. And life came out. I didn't have to argue. You know what? If you really know who he is to you, you won't have to argue about it. It won't be an argument. They may not agree, but it won't be an argument. He wants us to know. He wants us to know there's a world that's hurting. There's a world that's hurting that needs to know that our Jesus is alive, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. I just want to touch on this and then I'll close. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 says this. Insomuch... As the children are have taken, partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, 
and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What does fear bring? Bondage. Fear always brings bondage. It always brings isolation, separation, desperation, depression. That's all in its little bag of goodies. He said here, who all their lives through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Come on. That's me and you. He goes on to say that, therefore, in all things, he, made, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation, that's a big word, to make payment for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. <laughs> That's my God. That's who he is. So no matter what's going on right now, he said, I can be there for you because I was there. I was in all points tempted as you are, yet without sin. He didn't give in to the lust of the flesh. He wasn't pulled aside. He, he withstood so that we can stand. It's amazing when the Lord would appear, Old Testament and New Testament, when he would appear to his people, it was somewhat overwhelming because he would always start by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I think that's still his, his thing today. When I come to you, listen, it may not be that he comes to you as an angel that appears in your room, in your whole room that was dark, lights up. When he comes to you and says, I've got this for you to do and you can do it, he says it this way, don't be afraid because I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So whatever is before us today, here's what I want you to take home. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he'll be with you. <laughs> he'll be with you. You won't go it alone. He will be with you. And as I shared last week, one of the things that I talked about was one of the biggest things that hinders, that fear hinders is authentic relationship. Because we'll look at what happened in the past or what someone else did in the past and we refuse to enter into authentic relationship because of past hurts. And I want you to understand that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't ever get hurt again. But it does mean this. If you choose not to love and choose not to trust, you'll stay hurt. You'll stay wounded. And you'll stay in bondage because fear will keep you there. I can just about guarantee you, if you really love and really trust, your feelings will get hurt. But I can promise you this, if you choose not to love, fear will keep you in bondage because that's the only thing that keeps you from love. Oh, you, still I chose the cross. Oh, you were.